Hello and welcome to the ESPN F1 podcast. I'm Lawrence Edmondson and today we've got something a little bit different. The season of course is done and dusted but it seemed like a good opportunity to reflect on what an incredible year it's been for world champions Mercedes. They took their seventh title of the year, they took 13 wins from 17 races and they developed arguably the fastest Formula 1 car in history. Um, Now who better to talk about the team, the car, the future for the team and the future Formula 1 than Mercedes technical director James Allison. So we were lucky enough to carve 40 minutes or so out of his incredibly busy day a couple of weeks ago and record this podcast um, looking, like I said, at the year that's been, but also the future, not just for Mercedes and how it continues to be competitive, but also for Formula One. So uh, let's get stuck into it. And I started by asking him how crazy this 2020 year has been for the team and also what it actually means to be a technical director in Formula One. Welcome to the ESPN F1 podcast, James. And I want to start by saying congratulations on another Constructors title. By my count, and I might get this wrong, it's Mercedes' seventh, your fourth title with Mercedes, and your twelfth during your time in F1. Is that correct? Uh, I think I've got one more than that. Uh, (laughs) But who's counting? I'm I'm surprised you don't, to be honest, because that is a remarkable achievement. Um, but it's a, it's a sign of extraordinary good fortune. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm told that's not the case from uh, the people that work with you. But um, I, above anything else, I guess this year is probably one of the most unusual ones that you've experienced in Formula One. Uh, yeah, all of us, all of us. It's been uh, extremely oddball the whole ex- the whole thing getting all jazzed up at the start of the year for uh, for Melbourne with a car that we thought was pretty useful and then <laughs> coming home coming home disappointed uh, but with our thoughts turning immediately to how we were going to cope with the crisis that was engulfing the country and the world um, or how that crisis would affect us um, and it has been it has been a, a just a a ridiculous roller coaster ride since as the regulations of the sport have shifted to cope with this uh, as the calendar has shifted to cope with it and as we've had to all find new ways of working uh dealing dealing with uh the strains that coronavirus has placed on our operations i mean nothing and no different from businesses up and down the land and in many ways we've been privileged to be able able to do what what we do uh, and so many other businesses haven't but it has been a very very unusual uh, experience um if you can start by just talking about uh, more of your usual day job so what it's been like uh, during your time at mercedes and i think for a lot of our listeners they might not fully understand exactly what a technical director does i think a lot of people have in their mind a man stood at a sketching board drawing parts of cars but i understand that's not really the case in modern f1 so can you talk us through what your role is in the team and how you contribute to to its success. Yeah, I mean, it will vary from team to team. So in some places, the technical director really is standing at a drawing board drawing. Well, yeah, in one case, actually standing at an actual drawing board drawing stuff. Um, Yeah, but... 
but it will vary a bit from from place to place and it's it's the job that is uh that is got the biggest contrast between how boring it sounds and how amazing it is so when you describe what i do or when i attempt to describe what i do to people you see them glazing over uh but if if they could have the good fun of actually living it out for a day or two they'd realize it's that i'm a lucky chap indeed um so the formal sort of responsibilities that a technical director has are to make sure that the car is safe uh and it, that we go about designing it and making it in a safe sort of way um uh to make sure that it's legal that it complies with all of the the f1 rules and that's a fairly thick tome these days um and to make sure that it's fast and to make sure that it's reliable um and to do all of those things uh effectively what you what you're doing is not designing bits of a car uh but you're trying to make sure that you have the right team of people in place organized organized relative to one another in an effective manner so that so that collectively uh that team of people is able to to come up with a car that's neither too risky nor too conservative um and is is able to um be an effective campaigner in a championship so it is a technical management role rather than a a technical design role um and it sounds a little dry but it is absolutely thrilling um to 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 be involved in something that is is such a a thrill ride through the season and across the years nothing is nothing is the same for very long um and the challenges come at you thick and fast sometimes to a degree where you just think i don't know how i'm going to cope with this um but mostly somehow you find a way of wriggling your way through it together and uh, and and hopefully you experience the joy that we have done this year of being being the team that has done better than all the others uh, i believe once upon a time you, you did help design parts and contribute to to that process so, so is that essential for a technical director to have an understanding of exactly what that team underneath you is going through so you can manage them correctly i think yeah it's pretty inconceivable that you could just parachute into being in in that in the technical director position without having served your time at some level or other through the various uh levels um from from real junior up up to more senior sort of engineer in a team you need to have you need to have seen the role at most of the levels of challenge um and you need to have spent long enough in the sport to have acquired almost by osmosis a sense of what's important uh what can be safely uh sort of triaged down to a, a slightly lower level of of criticality um so that you can as as decisions are forced in your direction uh you can you can handled them instead of being swamped by them because you've got an idea even if it's not your specialism that you worked on when you were younger you've still got an idea of its of its relative uh re- relative importance and also um the sort of time scales it takes to get things changed in that area and roughly how much sort of 
blood and treasure you're going to need to invest if you're going to correct something or, or invest into something to make it to make it different. Um, I, I was doing some background reading on you, and it sounds like you didn't always want to work in Formula One, and in fact, you wanted to follow your father and be a fighter pilot. Um, is, is that the case? It, it, it certainly was the case. Yeah, I am the deeply unoriginal person of wanting to do what his dad did. But mind you, what my dad did was pretty exciting, um, and he spent spent a career in the RAF flying all sorts of attractive uh, high performance machinery and yes that's very much what I wanted to do all the way through my boyhood and teens and uh, and until I finally was uh, fell down at the medical stages of of trying to become an RAF pilot um, that was very much what I wanted to do and I felt somewhat cheated at the time out of out of that opportunity by virtue of being colorblind uh, but the way things have worked out to be honest I I think it was a blessing I've I've had the most fun doing something entirely different and uh, and don't don't feel hard done by at all okay well let's focus on uh, on this year and uh, the Mercedes W11 which of course has already won both drivers and constructors titles it's also been dubbed recently the fastest F1 car of all time because rules are changing and there's uh, no, it's almost in the foreseeable future, not possible to see a car that will go faster. Um, do, do you have any special connection to that, to this car as a result of that? Do, does this one feel particularly special compared to others you've worked on? Uh, I'm relatively un, um, what's the word? Unsentimental. Um, about cars, uh, feel very sentimental about teams, but uh, but cars are just the the product of what what we do collectively as a team. And I think as a team, we've done a tremendously good piece of work on on the W11. And I think we should, we all I feel proud of what we've collectively done here. Um, and I'll be, I know that I know that it, it's a car that will always be spoken of as one of the all-time greats you know there are certain cars in history that are and it it will go down as one of those and it that is a nice a nice thought to know that people will will speak in hushed tones about the 2020 mercedes um so that's a good thing um but but the actual car itself is uh you know it's it's just just a bunch of metal and rubber <laughs> and carbon fiber and um and we'll we'll get on to making something in the future i hope that that it excites us just as much and and makes us just as proud it's interesting to hear, hear you talk about it um I, I i really love one of your quotes um i'm going to dig up the w11 by the way i'm going to keep keep saying <laughs> how wonderful it is but um i really love one of your quotes from the start of the year where you said it was uh, festooned with innovation and I think it instantly captured people's imagination at testing because of DAS. And I know you've probably talked endlessly about DAS. Um, but can you just give us a little bit of information on, on, on how that particular innovation came about, whose idea it was, and whether it was clear from the start that it was going to be a must-have on the car? Well, how did it come about? We're a very unusual team uh, in the way that we come up with ideas. Uh, 
first of all, that idea, coming up with good ideas is something that hopefully if you've got a healthy organization happens all over the organization, but um, it tends to, tends to often that the, the, that good, that ideas uh, can, can get concentrated a bit too much at the top of the company uh, or the responsibility for generating them can get too concentrated at the top of the company. And that could be a bit stagnant if it's like that. Um, so we, we, um, we've had for a while and it, it predates my arrival at this team. We've had a, an approach to, to trying to come up with, uh, with, ideas to make our car faster um, um, which is relatively unusual and that is that a group of people sit down with one another very frequently they're called the performance group I don't sit in it um, and uh, and that group of people they, they're, they're all folk who are pretty senior in the team um, who work for me in the most part but there's also some some guys a bit a bit lower down in the food chain and they they sit down after each race and um and uh and just meet to talk about the car how it went um what was good what was bad what what sort of trends they're seeing uh that have bugged us for a while now or opportunities that have tempted us for a little while and how might we how might we go about uh either correcting things that are wrong or, or improving or making use of opportunities that we see. And their job really is to, is to pose questions into the organization. Their, their, their job is to, to ask the right questions and the right questions, meaning if we could come up with an answer to that question, the car will definitely be faster at the end of it. And they, they sit, sit together, they meet, they argue, they, they debate, and hopefully at the end of it, they come up with, with good questions. And that group is the group that came up with a question. Um, uh, what, you know, would it be possible for us to be able to uh, have the uh, front toe directly steerable by the driver as well as the left-right aspect of the steer? Um, not you know, they, they did enough thinking in the meeting to think that that would be legally okay. Um, but would it be possible to actually implement such a system? And then the question goes out into the organization and the organization, uh, you know, the mechanical design group turns its head to that problem and sort of sketches out some, some potential solutions. And, uh, and then we figure out whether it's going to, cost more money than we're prepared to invest in it for the gain that we think it might bring us and uh and we're going to figure out whether we need to answer any questions from with the FAA about whether they'll let us have it and that sort of stuff so they ask the question and the organization comes back with uh a response and this question was asked in 2018 of the organization um and we 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 came up with some ideas and and uh and actually a design that that was uh, put to the FAA uh in 2019 needed some some diddling around with it to turn it into a 2020 version that we that the FAA were happy to stand behind and then it then it went on the car and uh and and it's been been a useful thing for us all year long perhaps not not 
able to get the full, full-blooded benefit from it that we might have anticipated at the beginning because this has been a tricky old year uh, and everything's been quite compressed. Um, but it's definitely been a worthwhile device on our car for the whole season and more than worth the effort that we spent uh, answering the question asked by the performance group back in 2018. So would it be uh, an example of one of the wilder ideas that the performance group came up with? Or is that actually, because obviously we don't see a lot of the innovation because you guys understand and keep it secret. But was DAS a particularly out there idea? Um, well, it's, it's not, it's by no means the most technically brave thing that's come out of the performance group. Uh, much of it much of what the performance group does is is try to ask uh the 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 real questions about uh what are what are the correct physics of making uh the aero package work well with the tires um with the suspension so that the whole lot combines into a car that will will work across a good range of tracks in a good range of conditions and uh and be good in racing and in qualifying uh they ask they ask those questions and and to, and if you're going to, to believe the answers to the questions that then come out then you have to back up your belief by actually changing the way in which you design the car and then you know simulating and stuff to try and reassure yourself that what you're doing is correct but ultimately you have to commit those ideas into hardware and then you find out for real whether or not it was the correct thing to do and when you're making those sorts of changes you're basically betting the company you're betting that 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 uh that the path you were walking along is not the correct path and that a new one is is where you need to head and uh and that that if you if you've chosen if you've made a good choice if you've asked the right question and answered it with sound engineering then then the resulting hardware is is a lot more effective than the old one but if you've asked the wrong question and answered it clumsily then you can quickly go down the plug hole uh, so das is das is very visible and it's very exciting for everyone to look at but if you want if you want to sort of see what the output of the performance group looks like more generally, you do just look at our car and look at how effective it's been uh, and, and how growingly effective it, it's been. If you sort of look at the journey since 2017, where we had a mercurial fast on occasion, dog slow on other uh, car, uh, we've gradually sort of, molded it into a machine that is good good everywhere um and increasingly good everywhere across a very wide range of conditions um and that that's been the work of of this group of people um solidly doing asking the correct questions and then the organization having the competence and capability to to deliver answers to those questions it seems like um there's an obvious risk reward trade-off when ideas like that are put forward. But is it, I guess the danger with a team that's successful as yours is that you stick with what you know and what works, but yet you don't do that. So how you really have to back yourselves, don't you, I guess, to, to, to know that instinctively you'll make, or not instinctively, but through the science you have, you'll make the right choice. If you got a 
a DAS thing wrong, then you just you just take it off the car and, and, that, and that's that. Whereas if you if you make a fundamental mistake about what you've judged to be the correct direction for performance of the overall vehicle, um, and when I say you, I mean our organisation, the collective, collectively, not not me personally. Um, then uh, then then you you pay for that in a way that is very inescapable and uh, will take take quite a long time to fix over subsequent seasons. Um, another performance development that was quite obvious this year was uh, the development from the engine side. And it seemed a lot of that was motivated from just how uh, powerful the Ferrari engine was last year. Of course, we learned fairly soon into the 2020 season that they had had to... Um, change certain things to, to stay within the regulations. Um, but how big a motivator was that for you guys? And how on the edge was Bricksworth, as much as you can talk about it, because I know you're more the chassis side, on the edge in, in developing the power unit that you have today in the car? I think it was, um, I mean, it's ironic, ironic the way things work out, but uh, it's been no fun at all for the people at Bricksworth uh, looking at the press, reading the comments and hearing the plaudits that were given to their main competitor. And that that did uh, cause them to to really redouble their efforts to to go back and look at every single area of potential performance gain, um, get out of the bottom of every cupboard, every proposal that had ever been made and and reassess whether what seemed like a, a small benefit in isolation was worth adding to this renewed push uh, to top them all up together to to make a meaningful difference in a quest to reassert themselves at the top of the heap having having not enjoyed the sting of the implied criticism over the preceding season and a half um, that that came a fairly heavy toll on the, the engineering and operational folk uh, actually getting that engine ready uh, in time and you probably watched our winter testing and saw that we were having a few bumps in the road trying to uh, make what was clearly a very powerful unit also a very reliable unit um, but happily by the time we got racing that was something they had managed to do at after a herculean effort on their part and uh, and we we've enjoyed the fruit of it all year and with a bit of luck we will continue to carry those gains into into subsequent seasons and um as I say, it's ironic uh, when you when you consider what pushed them into that that effort. Uh, but that's the nature of racing. It's the it's the intensity of the competition that spurs spurs the uh, the effort, and um, and it's just lovely that our response as a team was the right one to the competition and that we've we've as a result our engineering has moved forward our product has moved forward and the car is much more impressive as a result yeah, from the outside and um, it almost seems like one of like a morality story of f1 one team pushes things clearly too far and the other team ends up ahead um so I, I can only just imagine there's an element of satisfaction there. 
I think there is a huge amount of quiet pride at Brixworth and justified pride at, uh, at having responded absolutely in the correct way to to a challenge um and uh and you know they 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 absolutely deserve every plaudit that they get now we've seen uh through the years and you, you would have seen firsthand as well that we've had teams dominate before but those teams have always something's always tripped them up um i imagine it's slightly different in each each occasion but what, what is it that usually brings down these dominant spells for a Formula One team? And how are you at Mercedes trying to safeguard against against that? Well, ordinary, um, it's lots of things tend to get you in the end. Uh, but if you wanted to lob them all into one uh, sort of catch-all bucket, then probably the easiest one to put it in would be complacency. It's rare that another team simply just makes some giant leap forward and, and leapfrogs the previously uh, brilliant and, you know, uh, un, undimmed in their brilliance former champs. Uh, it's normally that the former champ uh, backs off from the, the loud pedal a bit and, uh, and takes for granted the, the success that they've enjoyed and sort of starts to feel like they... They're, they're due that success without the effort that, that they'd previously put in to earn it. Um, it's normally normally complacency of one form or another, and then add add to that complacency. There is uh, there are other sort of attritional factors like um, the the people in in the championship team tend to be very attractive prospects for competitors to poach and uh and eventually you know you lose one or two then one or two become 10 or 15 and 10 or 15 become 50 or 100 and and what was an absolutely unbeatable combination of of, of people starts to be a different animal and um so it, it, it can be it can be lots of lots of different things stacking up on top of one another. Um, how have we tried to deal with that? Uh, we've we've at least been very aware that that, that those are the risks um, because the cycle of of success and and then subsequent decline is, is pretty. You know, all of us have seen it happen a few times, and, and many of us have actually lived through it in in other teams. And uh, and so we've been quite self-conscious in our determination to try to avoid those risks, um, try to uh, to remind ourselves that there's nothing special, you know, there's nothing God-given about our success. Uh, it's it's a result of hard work and effort, and to to a degree, some sacrifice in terms of people being willing to spend their time here at work committed to this instead of um, in the arms of their family quite often. Um, so uh, to really reminding each other every single year that, that the next year will only be a success if we earn it and, uh, and that we need to ignore all the, all the voices off stage that, that are busy telling the world that, that, our, that our success in the next year is a guarantee thing and that we only need to show up in order for it to happen so that 
the humility to know that we have to earn it. Um, and then uh, a, a determination, I guess, to, to try to um, make it so that the people who work here enjoy working here so that while they might be given lucrative offers to go elsewhere, um, that they that they see the overall proposition that this team puts to them is a good one and that the, the environment and where they where they work, the type of responsibility they're given, the trust that's placed in them, the fun that we have together adds up to being something that they don't want to scurry away from uh, because because it's nice. It's a nice place to work. And, uh, and so a big amount of effort put into to trying to nurture the, the, the team, the sense of team spirit that we have here. Um, and then I guess the final thing that the team has been pretty good about is not, uh, not getting too overly reliant on individuals um, to try to make sure that that it's a collective strength that that keeps us keeps us in good shape and so when when they uh, you know making sure that we have uh, some sort of succession plan for the for the key roles in the team making sure that uh, people when they're sort of spent and it and it is a sport that uses you up gradually because you you only got a certain amount of of uh vim and vigor in you to to keep keep at this level of intensity and and when people have have given their all enjoyed every drop of it but are ready to hand the torch on to make sure that there's there's someone there to hand that torch to and that the that the company can can exchange exchange from one to the other seamlessly uh without it without it causing a loss in form and there's been a number of exchanges like that in the team that we've been able to manage and to show a resilient a resilient team structure with uh, so th that's the things we've tried to do um but 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 it would be it would be completely ludicrous for me to say and and therefore we have the winning formula because that would go against the very first thing i said which is the complacency you know that think that all of us feel all the time that that need to keep reminding ourselves that it it simply is not a given and we need to keep earning it and hopefully hopefully if we if we enjoy it sufficiently then and we and we recognize that we do it for the enjoyment every bit as much as we do it for the winning then with a bit of luck the the sheer pleasure of the enjoyment of doing a good job here has the consequence that you produce a thing good enough to win with and then you enjoy the winning as well so the only other thing though is while you're building all that internal strength which i have to say is is fascinating to you talk about outside uh, the sport seems to be trying to make some changes to as they've said, level the playing field, bring you guys back down a peg, a change of regulations. Curse their, <laughs> their dark hearts. <laughs> yeah. but, um, you know, and, and this is all being done in, uh, you know, I, I think I make the sport as entertaining as possible. Yeah. But, 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 but these, um, these regulations coming in, you've got a budget cap, you've got new aero regulations that punish the teams that do best and try and help the teams that do well. You've got a new set of regulations in 2022. Um, 
in your professional opinion and from what you've seen before, will they have the desired effect? Will they level things out over time? And if so, you know, again, what are you guys doing to make sure that that's not the case? So that's very hard to have a crystal ball of, of that clarity. Um, I know that uh, you, you have unintentional consequences of many things. And, uh, and certainly if, if you're sitting as we are happily at the top of the pyramid right now, but, but not in any way feeling like you're securely uh, placed there, that you've got to keep scrabbling your way back up to, to that apex position. Um, then a lot of those changes do look like they are um, targeted at us. They're not, they're not sort of, they don't have Mercedes written on them. They have, they have at their heart, the idea that they don't want a pyramid. They want, they want a sort of continuous churn of of uh, of teams that are capable of winning one day, not the next, and and for each weekend to be unpredictable. Um, but if you are, if if you in the position we're currently in, then it doesn't feel that way. It does feel like this is a this is a, a you know a set of rules that are that are, are designed to try to make sure a team like us can't can't exist in the future and the the potential unintended consequence of that is that um, if you're seven years into a winning streak and finding it difficult to to uh, to come up with fresh rhetoric that gets people stirred up for the challenge of an eighth or a ninth then in many ways the sport does you quite a big favor in creating a set of rules that look like they're aimed squarely at your heart because there's nothing more motivating for this group than to sort of set to this new challenge and go we'll show you <laughs> we'll show you that, that we're not going to go quietly into the night and uh, and that's the thrill for us now is to 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 take take this regulatory challenge and and as we have done with previous ones to try to show afresh that what we're made of and that we are a, a, a team that just wants to try to 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 do the best it possibly can um and with luck that best is good enough to be at the front um just finally if, if i can get you to kind of step back slightly from your Mercedes role and look at Formula One as a fan, which I, I hope you still are after all these years in sport. Yeah, massive fan, yeah. Um, what do you think is the future of motorsport and Formula One? Because increasingly the world around us is changing. You know, we're going to have a, um, an eventual ban on combustion engines being sold in, uh, in most places in Europe. Um, where does F1 fit into this changing world and, and what can it, also do as a collective to future-proof itself and remain relevant? Uh, I think there's a lot it can do. Um, the, the sport is just starting to turn its attention to 2026-ish um, and the next generation of vehicle after the the the, ne the, yeah, the rule change that comes in 2022. And it's inevitable that that, uh, that that regulation will have to have sustainability at the very heart of it. Um, to to make it so that if you know when we will almost certainly still have 
uh, internal combustion going on at that point, but to make sure that internal combustion is happening using fuels that aren't made of dead dinosaurs. Um, and uh, and where the electrical component is almost certainly uh, going to be ever on the on the you know a bigger bigger fraction of the delivered power, um, and that's that be the direction that, uh, that that we'll head in. I'm sure in some in some version of that, um, and that that's a that's an intriguing uh, challenge for all of us because. Um, that, that direction of travel is probably, uh, you know, it's going to, in in all likelihood, it will be a step down in power density. You'll get less power for a given mass, um, and and but we will we will find ways of of making it so that the vehicle will stay compellingly fast, because there's still loads and loads of uh, room to make the overall vehicle more efficient. And I think in the season, in the years to come, uh, alongside the word sustainable, I think we will hear the word efficient far more and more. And efficient meaning that you get you get more out of it for for less in um and uh and there's there's plenty of room for us to improve the vehicle's efficiency so we get better lap time for the same amount of of uh of energy spend even though that is will be sustainable energy nevertheless there will be an energy spend and uh and yet we will get we will get performance from that energy by by ever ever smarter engineering so i th- i think there's loads loads still ahead for the sport to enjoy in terms of technical innovation in terms of technical leadership uh and excitement for anyone who's lucky enough to be on the engineering side of it and i hope enjoyment for all the fans who can 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 see compelling racing on the circuit uh but know that the the engineering that goes into it is as cutting edge as as it possibly could be and i'd make a further prediction as well that the that the cars uh the next generation of cars will probably have uh probably have more ability within them for the ebb and flow of performance in a race to be greater so the the amount the the difference between the the sustainable level of power and the peak level of power uh to be relatively large and so there can be uh temporary overtaking opportunities and uh which then have to be defended against later because you've spent your your opportunity and someone else may not have done and so i think that the it will make for an interesting racing spectacle as well as an impressive technical spectacle yeah, um, just to pick up on one last thing, sorry, I will let you get back to work. Um, That's all right. <laughs> the, uh, the technical leadership you talk about with Formula One, it seems like um, a lot of the engineers I talk to are not convinced by the ideas of electric vehicles being the definitive answer to all of our mobility issues around the world, as some politicians seem to be putting forward. What's your take on that? Do, how do you see the internal combustion engine, uh, again, like, like you say, through efficiency, and uh, through not using fossil fuels, uh, kind of coming, maybe having a resurgence at, at the end of this decade. Well, I'm pretty sure that uh, that for your average um, car journey, all electric vehicle is is just fine. You you know you can 
go far enough and at a decent enough lick for a all electric cars to work pretty well um but uh it's a bit tougher for things like uh lorries they have to go long long distances to get the sufficient energy on board for them to to manage just on electricity um pretty difficult for aeroplanes to fly on electricity because the the uh yeah the energy density is a bit on the wrong end of the scale for that um and so I think that in one form or another, burning sustainable hydrocarbons is going to be part of the energy economy for, for some considerable time. Well, James, um, I could probably talk to you about that for a very long time, but I better let you get back to work. Otherwise, um, I fear I might be the one stopping you guys winning another championship next year. So uh, all, all let's say is thank you so much for your time and uh, yeah, congratulations again. It's, it's a pleasure. Nice talking to you.